Want to know what is happening in the world of energy in buildings? Want to learn how to make your indoor environment the most comfortable and efficient? Welcome to the Eco Expert Podcast by Schneider Electric and your host, Martin Fader. This podcast has been created to give you the latest information of how technology is shaping the way we are using, designing and controlling the energy usage in buildings to create more efficient and comfortable environments. With the help of my co-hosts Dushan Janjic and Kevin Morin, both experts in their fields of environmental and power control, over the coming months with the help of case study examples, interviews and open discussion, we hope to bring you the latest news and ideas about how you can improve the use of energy in your buildings. So welcome back to the Eco Expert podcast by Schneider Electric. Thank you for tuning in again under these very strange world global circumstances that we are facing at this time. Today it's just myself presenting for a reason. I wanted to really get this podcast to you as soon as possible, particularly because of what is going on at the moment. You may recall back in November in episode two, I met with Chris Botker from Cisco and we talked about the IoT and the workspace of the future. If you haven't already listened to episode two, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to it before maybe listening to this one so you can really see how things have developed in the, well, very short period of six months. Well, with COVID-19, I got a sense that things are changing again far quicker than we had originally thought in terms of how buildings and building technologies are going to shape the way that we are working and designing buildings and using the technology in the future. Some major companies are already talking about downsizing, moving away from these big office spaces with more people working from home. But of course, we would still need a working or an office environment for for meetings or, of course, course face-to-face meetings with customers. So removing a building in terms of an office space is really not going to be an option. So I took the liberty of calling Chris in Massachusetts in in the USA, and he agreed to have another conversation with me. I started with a very open question as to now that COVID-19 was happening, what was he actually starting to see? This is how he responded. Well, hi, Martin. Again, uh, thank you as well for having me back. Like you said, it was supposed to be a year and now it's uh, six months. So that's uh, things have definitely changed during that time. Um, yes, I think you know if you look at it at a higher level, the things that we talked about uh, uh, six months ago were really more around the problem of I have building space, but I typically have more people than I can actually deal with. So how do I manage that efficiently? So it's more about cramming more and more people into the building. And now you have completely the opposite problem. So you now have lots of building space and quite frankly, not enough people to populate it. And now what used to be your office physically inside of an office has now in essence uh, extended out to the home as well. So, you know, how do you then interconnect those things and how do you specifically with uh, COVID-19, how do you actually go about filling that building up in a responsible way and in a way that's you know, often mandated by the authorities in that particular area? So if you um, and, and, and if you take it back to, for example, workplace 
sort of platforms, applications, and, and that, that schedule rooms, that schedule and allow you to go into hot desks and hoteling, and that might be integrated into you know, visitor systems, all those, uh, and, and catering systems, you name it. Those are getting turned upside down as well, because nearly every single one of those platforms stops at the point that somebody actually walks into a room. So they have nothing to do with the actual collaboration as to how people actually work together. And what we've seen is that's changing uh, rapidly because now it's like, I, I gotta take into account the people that are actually sitting at the home as well. I can't just stop in the room. And I'll come back to that, what I mean by that. You have a lot of those workplace platforms as well that are teeming with analytics. So they have these wonderful analytics that go off to the building manager at the end of the month that shows them exactly how the building's being used, who's going where and what have you. And many of them are focusing just, you know, just on that and say, look, you know, you, we can tell you what has happened. Uh, unfortunately, what has happened means it's typically too late. So you need to be much earlier in that curve and say, how can I notify people and users at the time that they're breaking, let's say social distancing policies, too many people in a room, too many people on a floor, those sort of things. How do you tell them in real time? So the way to do that is, you know, we talked last time about people count. So when you have a WebEx room systems, any of the WebEx room systems that you have, it will count the people as they are in the room. So what we're seeing now is saying, okay, well, great. If I know that I have a room of 10 capacity, let's say that you know, I'm mandated only to fill it at, you know, at, uh, you know, at 20% or 30%, whatever it is. When it gets over that count, then a notification will instantly be sent to the actual display, the WebEx room display, and an audio announcement currently, this is these things we're, we're working on with WebEx Assistant to then give an audio announcement as well. So now what I can do is I can give comfort to the users saying, hey, you don't have to remember what the policy is on day one, day two, day three, because it will change. But rest assured that if you go into an area where there are too many, or go into a conference room where there are too many people, we will notify you of that instantly. So now the, the person that's now the extra person can then immediately walk back out again and not have this situation where then 30 days later you say, oh, that was really a dangerous situation that we had at that time. What do we do about it now? So it's again something that we talked about at that time in terms of driving real time user behavior. Now that's great in the room. What about outside the room? So outside the room, the best and most efficient way, some organizations try and put sensors in everywhere, but the most efficient way to typically do it is to run something that we have as DNA spaces on top of a Cisco network uh, in there that can actually, one of the things that it does, it can also count the people. So now I can count the people outside and count the people inside. Using exactly the same mechanism, we're seeing customers put on their digital signage boards, our WebEx room kits, which are the little bar systems that you can put on top. And the same thing happens now, except the people count information is coming from DNA spaces. So now when there's too many people in the space, you can now get the same thing. It pushes to the screen and it, it gives an audible message to say there are too many people in this space. The real value of having it as a uh, Cisco video system there as well is you have the ultimate enforcement, which is somebody connecting immediately. 
So let's say you're in that room or you're in that area and people don't take notice. So let's say they go into the conference room, I'm at 50% capacity, the sixth person walks in, system tells them, notifies them and says, hey, by the way, you're, you're, you know, there's too many people in this room and they decide not to leave. Because it's a real-time video system, now an HR person could come on directly and say, hey, you're not, you, know, you have a minute to get out and you didn't get out, so you really need to move out. So there's that enforcement, there's the low-level impersonal notification, and then there's a high-level in-person, I can get to you directly. So that's great. So that's how we can enforce social, uh, social distancing or at least notify about that. The question then is, is how do I do this in an energy efficient way? Because now the problem is, is I've got 10 floors and I'm at 30% capacity as my orders. Do I occupy and heat and cool all 10 floors and have them a third full? Or do I say, no, I can take a third occupancy in three floors and still maintain social distancing. So there's the energy efficient aspect. The second piece is the most, what often people fear in the office environment is, hey, if the, 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 the smaller the space, you know, the more potentially dangerous it actually is. What can you do that from a, what can you do from a BMS perspective? You can say, it's okay, we're going to pass through more and more fresh air. So you'll see this was a big thing with the airlines as soon as this happened. What did the, all the airlines say? By the way, we recirculate only 0.00001% of the air or whatever, and it goes through these, through these filters, and we're putting in lots of fresh air as well. That's the first thing that they said because they realized, wow, people are in the tube. That's where they're going to be really nervous. So they had this massive campaign to basically say, you know, you're probably safer in an airplane than you are in any other public place because the fact of the very – and you can feel that. You feel the air in an airplane moving because obviously it's pressurized so they're trying to say it's pure it's filtered but how does people feel like that in an office you have to make them feel like that as well so the bms system can then first of all i think there should be changes in the amount of fresh air so many you know many buildings have only a minimum of 20 percent fresh air coming in there you know i think they should consider saying okay we're going to pump more fresh air in there but more fresh air is more energy, is more expensive. So that's a problem as well. So how do you counteract that? You take into account those people counts. So now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna recognize when I walk into a conference room, I'm gonna recognize that I need to give those people fresh air, not just, not just from a healthy perspective of not trying to get sick, but also just it has the benefit of having people be more focused, more attentive, you know, and more, and then the ability to be more engaged as well. So I think there's, there's obvious benefits to that from an energy perspective is do it based on the number of people that are actually there. Control the building for the rooms based on the number of people that are physically there. Because I think if you say to the users, when you walk in, I'm going to automatically change and up the fresh air. And every person that walks in, I'm going to ramp that up so that I'm doing it on the people count. But rest assured, we're not just throwing energy down the toilet here. We're actually going to ramp it back down again when you're not in those areas. Likewise, in the common areas, same thing. Take all of that from Cisco DNA spaces as your people count and feed that into the building management system. Now, that's all well and good, but now you have another problem that is going to come up. And now I'm going to go back to saying most workplace platforms typically stop at the point that people are actually collaborating. 
And why is that important? And how does that relate to, uh, you know, from a building management perspective in particular, and what you know, Schneider Electric and, and its channel partners can actually do about that? I have a problem now that I, it's, it's 100% uh, certain that there's no, not going to be a flip of the switch in any country, in any town, in any building. So they're going to fill up gradually. I, as a, not just as a building owner, but I, as a, a as a, a, an executive or whatever in a company, I'm going to say, how do I ensure, A, I've just talked about the safety of, okay, we're going to be able to notify social distancing. We're going to be able to feed the BMS system, the people count. It can then adjust accordingly so that we're not wasting energy, but we get as ma maximum amount of fresh air in uh, that we possibly can, all well and good. But what about the people that are not in the office that are, that are in their new workplace called their home? How do we make sure that they are engaged in that? So that's really where, particularly from a workplace platforms, we're, we're working with a number of them and we're building, we have some of that uh, data as well, which says, if I go into a conference room and it has a, let's say, a, a WebEx room system uh, in there, how is it being used? Is it being used at all? So remember, we're counting people. So we know when people are in the room. Are they actually using the system or are they actually having a, a local meeting? Are they engaged with the people outside the office who are still at home? If I'm a, if I'm a company, I want to know that because I don't want to create a second class uh, society here where it's like, wow, you know, aren't the people that go back to the office, aren't they the lucky ones? They have all the tools and everything else. And here I am hunched up over my laptop, sitting at home, being on audio calls to, uh, every day. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. So I think many companies will want to measure the level of collaboration with those people that are actually sitting at home. And you can do that. With the WebEx room systems, you can see when somebody's just using the room, you can see if they're just in an audio call, if they're using a video call, if they're presenting, if they're whiteboarding, all of those are piece of information that we that, that we, we natively pick up and that can be leveraged either in the workplace platforms to then be able to have a measure of user engagement. And I think what you'll find is you'll get many people that will come uh, come back from their homes and say, I felt totally and utterly disconnected from my company. I cannot stand being on a conference phone call for five, six, seven hours a day. It's driving me absolutely nuts. And I think what you'll realize, and there's a, you know, there's a, obviously, there's, a, there's been a lot of media, you know, about different video conferencing platforms, but I think what, you're, what, you're, what a lot of companies have begun to realize is, if I don't have a great experience in terms of how my employees are collaborating and working together, then I'm not going to have my people be engaged. And if they're not going to be engaged, I'm not going to be able to do and achieve the business outcomes that I'm looking for. It's fundamentals like that. But unfortunately, it's a little bit uh, like in the BMS uh, industry, a user doesn't know, a can't, for example, sense carbon dioxide, for example. So we all know when the carbon dioxide levels increase, you get more fatigue. And um, funny enough, uh, we've seen, uh, I, I was speaking to uh, some of my uh, colleagues actually out in Norway. Um, and as you know, as in most of Europe, there's no forced air there in the homes. It's just radiators and no cooling. So he actually has a carbon dioxide sensor. Uh, 
And he realized that he could go from 500 parts per million, which is perfectly fine, to 1,500, which is not, in the space of half an hour in his bedroom where he is now working. So now he would wake up in the mornings, because in, in his bedroom as well, he would wake up in the morning feeling fatigued and groggy and then didn't realize it was due to the carbon dioxide buildup actually in that room. So now what he does, he opens up the windows all day long and if he's in a meeting, he might close it, but he's got his sensor there and he sees how quickly it goes up. People have no idea that those things are happening because they can't sense it. And so what you want to do is, if you remember last time, we talked about uh, fire safety and, and uh, evacuation. So we talked about the fact that if you trigger a fire alarm on one side of the building on the east side, then the video systems could then display all of the evacuation notices and then tell the people to go out to the west side of the buildings, which the partners can go and integrate into those uh, into the fire systems. Well, now you're also getting into that same type of uh, setup whereby I can use it from a health perspective as well because now it's more critical. So whereas previously people would say, well, you know what, if, if there's too much carbon dioxide in the room, so what? The, the, the people don't know about it, the users don't know about it, they can't sense it, so who cares? Well, I think now with the whole COVID-19, users will care because it's not that they're relating the carbon dioxide to saying, hey, I'm going to get fatigued and, and not be able to concentrate. It's relating it to their health and safety by saying there's not a fresh air in there so I'm at the potential risk of being more susceptible to being exposed because I know there's not enough fresh air. So I think the fresh air from a building perspective is going to be huge. Now, sometimes you can't control it. Sometimes you don't have the ability in those rooms to be able to actually control it. And, you know, overnight, not every single building is going to have every single room with either, you know, uh, chilled beams with 100% fresh air that's fully controlled. It's not going to happen. So, but what you can happen is you can measure it and then display it on the WebEx systems to then get people to move out of that room in real time when it's unsafe. Why is that important? Because most buildings, the tenants don't control the BMS system. So they have no control over that. So the building owner is not going to be incentivized to change something that, they, that he or she knows that the users can't actually detect. They can't detect fresh air. It's not detectable unless they're obviously measuring it. So now you have a case of it's like saying, okay, throw in a carbon dioxide sensor and then programming it into the system to then, you know, from the WebEx room system perspective to react to that. And it can be completely outside of the BMS systems. So now the users can be notified to move in the same way as, in, as notifying them to for social distancing, in the same way as notifying them that they need to evacuate. It's using all of those same mechanisms. The beauty of that from a Schneider channel uh, and, and Schneider itself is it gives visibility to the users who can now turn around and demand from their landlord, I need fresh air because I, you know, it's unacceptable that we don't have that. So it's a great way, I think what you're going to see then, it's a great way to make a lot of the environmental issues and challenges that users don't know, that tenants can't see or smell, that then come up, but not just in terms of reporting on them, but in terms of driving user behavior so that you don't have, the, you don't have this uh, situation where at the end of the month you can say, wow, all these areas were really, you know, really had poor air quality three weeks ago. It's too late then. It's too late for the user. So you've got to give them that comfort factor. That's, I mean, 
my takeaway from that is that clearly COVID-19 has really changed the way that uh, buildings, building design, building functionality, uh, because I think, as you said, the, the, the consciousness now has changed. It's no longer just a case of, OK, never mind. It is a case of, hang on, it could be mandated. It's obviously clearly going to be legislation or law in most countries around the world. And I think there is a fear, as you've uh, you probably alluded to, of this coming back again. So these systems that need to be in, in place from, you know, from the beginning of the day. And, and, and going back to what you talked about, the experience at home and, and, and really the, you know, um, live uh, experience that you'd have. In terms of the collaboration with the systems, do you see, you know, sort of apps or, uh, you know, I, I'm taking myself as a p- position of an employee of a company. Would there be things like an app that says, OK, today I'm going to come into the office. I hit a a button and then that sends out the signal to the, you know, to your WebEx system, to the BMS system to say, OK, I'm going to allocate you this desk. I'm going to let you sit here. And it will actually do you think these systems eventually will calculate where people will be sitting and when, you know, it, it, for this spatial awareness and things? Do you think that's all possible? Uh, well, it's it's not just possible; it's going to happen. It's happening, so that's actually happening today. Uh, and and the the challenge is is some of it is being it, some of it is happening in a very rudimentary uh, way, i.e., people are putting tape on desks, in between desks, and 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 what have you. But they're then programming their workplace uh, apps and platforms to then show what is available. So that's already happening. I think what's 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 not happening is the environmental piece that is now coming into that as well. So in other words, what COVID-19 will drive is from a number of people in a particular part of your uh, floor, for example, in a particular area, let's say just outside the conference rooms, uh, people are looking at that and saying, yeah, okay, well, that, that's, that, I, I count the number of people. I mustn't have more than 15 people in that particular area. And what you can do through our WebEx rooms and through the digital signage uh, that we have on the site is you can then start to increase the color. So if I say 15, I'm going to show it up to 10 that is green, that area. And once it gets to 11, I'm going to show that it's getting to be yellow. And at 13, it's going to be orange. And at 15, it's going to be red, which means I don't want anybody else to come in here. And it's a little bit... Um, Actually, it's a little bit like earlier in the year when I was in Amsterdam on the uh, metro there. You know, one of the fundamental issues if you're in a place where you haven't been before is which side of the doors do you actually get out, especially on a packed metro? And so what they have there is as they approach the station, the side of the doors that are going to go up will turn white. They'll have a white strip to show that, oh, here is where you need to go. And then obviously when the, when it pulls into the station and stops, it turns green so you can open it. And when the doors close, it turns red. So I think you'll have some of those mechanisms in there. But what you can do now is you can overlay what is the environmental conditions in those areas as well. What is my airflow? Where am I getting enough airflow in there? Am I getting enough fresh air in there? And when you're not... Rather than that being hidden, today that's completely hidden from the users. They have no idea. The only thing they can feel is temperature, but they have no idea of the air quality. It's a trust and hope approach. But now if you measure it and measure it externally to the BMS system, because again, 
Tenant may not have control over that. Measure, there's nothing stopping the tenant saying, I'm going to buy some carbon dioxide sensors, I'm going to put them on, and I'm going to measure this, and I'm going to get my integrated partner to integrate it into our Cisco environment so they can tell the users when it's out of control. And that is a great way to keep the building owner honest as well. I think you'll see areas also there where you start to see that color change. Because I talked about carbon dioxide uh, earlier on in the room. Well, you know, 500 parts per million is great. A thousand is, is getting up there, but it depends on who you are. If I suffer from asthma or COPD, my tolerance is much, much lower. So if I can feed that, and also we, if you, uh, again, I can only talk about uh, where I am in Massachusetts, uh, but you know, uh, the 98.4% of those people that sadly passed from COVID-19 in my state had a pre-existing condition. So it's the people that have those conditions that are gonna be at a level higher. What do you do? And unfortunately, what happens now is people say, you stay at home. You stay at home. You don't come in. Is that ever? So now if anybody has a pre-existing condition, are they never, ever going to be allowed, going to be come back into the office? That is completely and totally, A, it's unacceptable, but I also think it's completely unnecessary. So it's just you've got to measure it and say, okay, we know, and again, I don't, I'm don't. i just going to throw out a number there. Let's say, for example, at 750 parts per million on carbon dioxide, we know for a normal person that's not going to really affect them. But for somebody who has asthma or COPD, it may start to affect them. So why don't I display that in the same area so I can now show areas with a heat map as to what the environmental conditions are in there, not just the number of people. So there's a real tight, tight connection between you know the people that are there, the building management systems, how it reacts, and it has to react, because I think otherwise people are not going to be comfortable if they don't feel that the, the company and the building can actually react to who's in there. Because eventually you need to get, uh, uh, you know, those people will want to come back. Many people can't work from home. For those of us that can, we're extremely lucky, but there's a massive, massive population out there that simply cannot work effectively, productively in their homes. So what do you do? What do you do for them? You're listening to the Eco Expert Podcast by Schneider Electric. The best way to learn how to improve your energy efficiency in buildings. To get more information about these podcasts, connect with your hosts and access useful technical information about energy efficiency in buildings, please visit ecobuilding.schneider-electric.com. In a way, it, it, I just thought of this, actually, it changes things in terms of rather calling it IoT, Internet of Things. You might as well call it HOT, which is the, the health of things. Uh, I mean, it's becoming a major, major challenge, not just the health of the building, the health of the individual, uh, the health of really the environment that you're, you're around there. Um, a question for you. In, in your opinion, then, especially as you say, obviously, that the uh, uh, it's not always that the tenant that has the choice. You know, as a system integrator, whether I be in the world of lighting, BMS, even if I'm a Cisco um, uh, installer or power quality, critical power, whatever you want to name it. So in the in the end, who are the who are the in your mind, who are the people that we should be really approaching to talk to about this? Is it you know, is it the, the big building 
owners? Is it the you know, the big the big companies of this world that own or, or occupy the, these buildings? The uh, the tenants themselves? Is it you know it is the architect consultants? All of the above? I mean, how do you see or what do you see as being probably the first step that this will go down? So it's it's, uh, it's interesting, and I'm just going to give you my opinion because I think part of it to that answer is yeah, it's 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 nearly all of the above, but you have to have somebody drive it. So I think what's going to happen is you need to go to the HR person and drive it from the HR person because the HR people are concerned about the health of their employees. They're concerned about retaining their employees as we get out of this as well. Granted, currently, there's obviously a huge amount of unemployment, but eventually that will come back again. And how do you also then keep the talent? Because you know, the unemployment that also creates opportunities as we come out of this. So how do you prevent talent then jumping, jumping ship from ship to ship? Because now they don't feel healthy in their environment. They felt neglected by their company. They felt isolated being at, uh, being at home. They didn't have good tools. They were forced to be on a telephone call all day long. They, If they used video, they used poor video. They didn't use something that's engaging and high performance and quality so that it's less, less fatiguing and less mental stress. So they're going to have the HR people are going to be really focused on how do we get people coming back and how do we get people working comfortably when they're at home with the same feeling as if, as if they're in the workplace. So in in again, you know, we're lucky from a extremely lucky from a, a Cisco perspective is all that I did was I moved out of the office and I went into my house, but I have the same systems in my house that I had in my office. So for me, it's made no fundamental difference. It's not suddenly that I've gone from having you know a, a big video system in my office and then suddenly I'm I'm hunched over my laptop at home. That's not the case because I have the same experience that I have at home. But generally, that's the exception, not the rule. So you need to marry the workplace with and accept that it's at the home and in the office. And at home, I can to a degree control my environment because I can open my own window. That's not possible in the office. So you've got to look at that. So I think the HR people will start to drive it. I think what you'll see is the corporate real estate companies will start to implement it because now suddenly they have a lot of real estate, everybody trying to downsize, and they're gonna go, how can we make it more attractive to get those people back into the building safely? So I think the corporate real estate companies are going to be key in this because they have the largest portfolios and as typically many uh, companies outsource to them, just like we do at Cisco. So they're going to be the, the, the prime. Many companies don't deal with the building owner themselves. They, they deal with the, you know, the corporate real estate company in between. So I think that's going to happen. I personally think you're going to see an explosion of shared spaces. Uh, because you're going to get a lot of companies are going to say, I'm not going to oversize. I'm going to deliberately way undersize and use uh, shared facilities in uh, from an overflow perspective. Those shared facilities will then have that same challenge as to, okay, but and how do we make sure that our environments are not just safe, but how can our people come in there and collaborate in the same way and have the same experience as they have in the as they have in the office? 
And we've seen that with some of our large customers because those that use WebEx rooms and, and what have you are, you know, have a level of experience that drives engagement. And what they often found is in the shared spaces, they have nothing or they just are expected to walk in with their laptop connected to a USB camera in a conference room and get on with it. And that for most people is not, is absolutely, well, not for most people, it absolutely isn't the same experience and it has all sorts of other issues related to it. So I actually think you're going to see a lot of shared spaces trying to redo their approach and focus more on the at home as well as in the shared space. Because typically the shared spaces, it's all about, you know, you have free coffee, you have these wonderful environments. It's all about people being there. And again, they take no consideration of the people actually at home. Now, from a company who wants to do that and say, I've got people in the buildings that I own, lease or what have you. And then I have overflow in my shared spaces and then I have people actually working from home. How do they all have the same experience so that I can keep them engaged no matter where they are? And that experience has to include the environmentals as well so that those people don't feel like, oh, if I'm if I'm the one that I have to go to a shared space today because our building is too full, then, you know, I'm now the second class citizen here because, you know, now I've got to deal with all this other stuff that, that you know, it doesn't give me the same experience. So I think this experience piece from both an environmental and from a collaboration perspective coming out of this is going to be a major, major factor. So I think HR to corporate real estate and then to everybody downstream uh, in there as well. But, you know, you talked about the you, I think you mentioned the facilities manager. Yeah, that's a big task for them to go and make those changes. So many of them don't want to do that. They don't want to be driven to go and make all of those changes. So, you know, I wouldn't just go to them because it's like, hey, see no evil, hear no evil. If my users don't know, I'm not going to tell them. True, <laughs> very true. I know they can't sense it. Very true. They can't sense it. So you've got to be really, really careful, you know, uh, uh, from that perspective. But I think coming out of this, the links between everything that we talked about will become more obvious as a method of being able to notify, you know, notify people in real time. And, you know, one of the things that you get with the uh, the workplace experience uh, apps that are out there, and again, you know, I've, uh, I've worked with many of them and, you know, they say this is, oh, yeah, we'll notify the users as well. So we'll do people count and then we'll notify the users. And then you say, how? And they go, well, on the app, of course. And then you go, but what is the etiquette when somebody walks into a conference room? Mm. They switch off their yeah. phone or put their phone on silent. So you cannot rely on somebody having an app on their phone that can notify them if they are then having their phone on silent. And quite frankly, you know, my phone is on silent pretty much all day long. And in any meeting, if it buzzes me, I do not react to it because I am in a meeting, even if I'm in a video meeting, especially if you're in an office environment, you don't walk into a conference room and everybody leaves their phone on to ring. I mean, that's just unacceptable, unacceptable. So you can't rely on the app giving you that notification. You've got to rely on something that is common in there, i.e. a video system, a Cisco video system in the uh, conference areas and outside so that you have that notification and that element of escalation as well, because the app can't give that if the people have got their phone turned to silence. Uh, that's a very good point. Uh, I think at times we do sometimes, I mean, the apps have their place, they have their, their function 
but you're quite right. You know, the etiquette, I agree with you. My phone is also on silent all day long. Uh, and I think you've hit the key word several times there, uh, which is the experience. Uh, I think it is all going to be about experience, as you said. Uh, it's, you know, uh, I, I'm, I personally am fairly used to working at home and I used to travel a lot. I haven't traveled at all in the last a few months for obvious reasons. Uh, but yeah, the experience at home is is OK because I'm used to it. But as you quite rightly said, you know, if that experience between office and home is totally different, um, uh, people will eventually decide with their feet with always, a, uh, you know, in the back of their mind about their health and safety um, and, and their well-being. And I think that word well-being, I think, is going to be used a lot more. Um, what I would love to do, if it's OK with you, uh, would be come back to you again in another six months. I, I think it's just so fascinating and interesting to see what and how this is all now being driven. Um, I would love to connect with you again in, in six months time to see in a year's period, in effect, what has happened as a result of this situation that we are globally. I, I hope that would be OK with you. Yeah, that's fine. And I think I, I think, you know, what we're seeing with smart buildings here at uh, from a Cisco perspective as well, I think it actually what we talked about six months ago, I think a lot of those things are going to get accelerated. So if anything that's good that comes out of this, it's really that experience and health and safety of people in the office that previously wasn't such of a big issue. I think this is really, really going to uh, going to drive it. So, uh, yeah, would, uh, uh, let, let's make it six months and not three, if you don't sure. mind, uh, because uh, hopefully nothing major will happen that we have to do it. in. That, that is true. I hope so. too. <laughs> And so, Chris, again, I, I thank you so much. And I'd like to um, say to you and your family that uh, I hope you can all stay well, health, safety and enjoy the experience. Yes, I appreciate that. Thanks, Martin. Have a great day. Thank you very much. So it was great to talk to Chris again, touched on a lot of points that we had sort of briefly mentioned in the first podcast in episode two, but have clearly because of the COVID-19 situation that we see globally are accelerating now with these decisions actually starting to move. And I think a very interesting point that Chris raised was that our HRs in our organizations, our human resources teams are now going to start playing a major, major role in this. They're going to be defining how many people are allowed in a certain area at a certain given time. Um, and that's got to then be linked to the way that the energy efficiency is still maintained because, of course, We've seen that legislation and also our targets for, for carbon use aren't going to change. So really the collaboration, the key word there that Chris mentioned about with all these technical systems coming together and, and, and leads me on to something that I know the market is starting to talk about, where we talk about these master system integrators. So companies that are able to integrate these different technology systems, the technologies themselves having to work in an IoT connected way sharing information at the right time, uh, allowing things to happen in real time. Um, I did say at the end of that interview that I, I, I would want to connect again with Chris. I'll make sure I do this again in six months as originally a plan in episode two is going to be a year. But uh, at that time when I interviewed Chris, we had no idea of, uh, of the, the situation the world will go into. And, and so I will make a, a real plan and an effort to, to follow up again in, with Chris in, in, in six months time to see if there's another another step change. Again, as always, I'm always interested in any feedback you've got. Please visit the web page. Uh, you can always write to me, of course. Um, I'd love to see or get your feedback as to what you think of this situation and what Chris talked about is something that maybe you're starting to see being requested 
or whether you think there is an opportunity for you as a system integrator or you as a technology provider to start uh, providing these sorts of services uh, in real time. So again, uh, thank you for tuning in. As I said, it was just myself today to, to really uh, connect with Chris as quick as I could under these circumstances. And uh, I look forward to you to tuning in again into the next uh, episode. Thank you for making it to the end of this EcoExpert podcast by Schneider Electric. We hope you enjoyed the content and maybe even learned something. Make sure you subscribe to receive the latest episodes automatically to your device. Please visit our podcast webpage which is located on our Schneider Electric EcoStructure Building and Power website, which is at ecobuilding.schneider-electric.com. In order to learn more about the hosts, content specific to the podcast, and if you've got a moment, why not leave us a review? Preferably a nice one.